today, what do you owe the people who come after? And what do you owe the people who just left? We're going back in time and space across the globe to the city of Xi'an in communist China, where life for little Wen Huang and his family was about to dramatically change. Wen, take it away. One day in 1974, when my grandmother was 72 years old, over dinner table, she suddenly told dad, she said, I'm going to die very soon. And we're all shocked. And the father was asking grandmother, what happened? Are you ill? No. When a person reaches the ages of 73 or 84, the king of hell will make his call. We never, I never heard about that thing before. So we asked the science behind it, but Grandma just said, it has been passed down from generation to generation. It had to be true. And then she told Father specifically that she wanted to be buried. And in those days, burial was banned all over China. Under Chairman Mao and the Communist Party, burials were a waste of land and had religious Confucian roots that did not sit well with the party. So back then, everyone was cremated. There was no exception. But Wen's feisty grandma did not care. This was her dying wish, and she was going to fight to the death for a proper death. So she began to bother her son, Wen's dad, on the daily. The burial request really put father in an impossible position because it took him 15 years to be admitted into the Communist Party. He was actually a poster child. He was the model worker, like, you know, the employee of the month thing here. Like my dad, I was also a fervent believer in communism. At school, I was the leader of the Little Red Guard organization. Every day, we would go out and sing songs about uh, condemning Confucianism and building a new society. Wen and his family knew firsthand that if you broke with the party, the party could break you. If they found out that he was secretly preparing for his mother's funeral, seriously, he could lose his job. He could be publicly denounced at meetings like attended by tens of thousands of people. I constantly attended those meetings. It would be such a disgrace and disaster for our family. So Wen's dad tried to talk grandma out of it. He began by telling her about how peaceful cremation was. My father told her, it wasn't bad at all. When we die, our minds are gone and we cease to exist. Why does it matter what happens to our bodies? But she shook her head and said, I don't want to be tortured in fire after I die. Truth be told, a proper burial was not all she wanted. She had one more teeny tiny request. I want to be sent back to my ancestral village. I want to be buried with my husband. We couldn't believe in what we heard. Everything she wanted until now was already punishable. But this was impossible. Because Grandpa, who had died 40 years ago, was buried 500 miles away. You could only get there on a train, a long-distance bus, and then a horse-drawn cart. But she said distance ain't no excuse. Because once she was reunited with her husband's spirit, according to Confucian belief, 
Harmony would finally be restored to the family line. Up until then, Grandma said that the family had been cursed with war and famine and she was going to do something about it. She made it like that she wasn't doing it for herself. She did it for us. Without the blessings of your ancestors, you will be in disaster. And I just thought, oh, grandmother was just being superstitious. She will snap out of it. But grandma played her ace on how she took Wen's dad as a little boy and escaped Japanese control by walking several hundred miles on her bound feet. How if he was a good son, he would honor her last wish. Also, like my dad, I feel very conflicted about it because my grandma raised me until I was five or six years old. Wen's mom was so committed to the revolution, she went right back to work after his birth. Every night, I slept uh, in my grandma's bed, and then in the wintertime, she would go into bed first to warm up the quilt, and then I would get in. So my grandmother was literally my surrogate mother. But Wen's dad would have none of it. It was just too risky. So grandma was warned. She was given an explanation, but... Nevertheless, she persisted. For a while, my father was stressed out. I could tell that he became more and more withdrawn. And sometimes I woke up in the middle of the night. I could hear him murmuring to my mother. If poster boy dad was against it, then his wife? My mother wanted nothing to do with the burial. One thing you have to know about my mother and my grandmother, these two are very strong-willed women. They just couldn't get along with each other. There was a Chinese saying that said two tigers can't live side by side in the same household. My mother was born in the year of the tiger. My grandma was born in the year of the tiger. Also, since my grandmother, she was a widow, she and my father was very close. And she had such a strong hold over my father. And each time there was a fight, my father would close the door first and then the windows and then would say, please lower your voice. The neighbors will laugh at us. And my mother would say, I don't care. I want all the neighbors to know what a wimp you are. So finally, one day, father got us together around the table and then said, your grandmother has sacrificed so much for us. It is our turn to make some sacrifice for her. We're going to save money so that she can have her wish or burial. This must be our secret. My mother was silent. She just stepped out. Grandmother, she was relieved. Say, oh, I'm not doing this for myself. This is for the future of the Huang family, blah, blah, blah. Against his wife's wishes, dad dove into his clandestine coffin operation. He began penny-pinching from anyone, anywhere. He even sold off his work gloves and face masks to local hospitals for extra cash. Then he bribed friends who could help transport the coffin and found two amateur tailors to make his mom a shoyi, a beautiful traditional funeral dress. Last but not least, dad borrowed money to purchase wood and hired a black market carpenter who was willing to build the coffin. All the expenses would take at least two to three years to pay off. And oh, my mother was furious. When the coffin was finally done, guess where they hid it? 
I saw this big, sinister-looking coffin where my bed used to be. I said, "That's a coffin." And my dad said, "No, don't call it a coffin. It's called shoumu or longevity wood." That really spooked me because soon my grandma would be buried in it. I started to have some fantasies. Maybe she had a point, and those superstitious things might be true. All our family will be blessed, and I could be a big shot. On the other hand, because my grandmother's stupid quest for burial, we suddenly find ourselves without money all the time. One time, my mother had the opportunity to travel to Shanghai. She was very excited, so she wanted to buy a new winter coat. When she told my father, he said, "No, we don't have money." Imagine how angry she was. She just left that night, and after my mother stepped out of the house, my grandmother did the usual thing. What a terrible woman! She's a. With the money saved, Dad told the family that the burial preparations were good to go. After my father made that announcement, grandmother suddenly fell ill, as if to prove her point that she could die. She started to have this fever, and she became bedridden. My father became so nervous, and my mother, it's time for her to go. And then, around two o'clock in the morning, she suddenly woke up everybody. She said, "I think I'm going to die soon." And then she brought me to her bedside, and then saying she would have her last words for me. Oh my God! This is finally going to happen. I was very nervous, and then I start to sob and start to cry. And I was also hoping that this could be like the movies. She was going to reveal some life-changing secrets to me. Things like I have hidden some silver dollars between the kitchen walls. After I die, you should dig it out. Don't share it with your annoying sisters or something like that. So I was waiting for that, and then guess what she said? She said, "After I die, you should keep practicing cooking. This way, you don't have to suffer at the hands of your wife like your father does." I wanted to laugh, but on the other hand, she was so serious. And then the doctor came. He felt her pulse, and then he said, "Grandma Huang, you are not going to die. Your pulse is very strong. You'll be able to live up to a hundred." And we all felt relieved. The next morning, she acted as if nothing had happened. Over the next few months, it seemed like every time Grandma was about to kick the can, she would magically get better. So her seventy-third birthday came around. She didn't die. Her seventy-fourth birthday came. She was okay. Then seventy-fifth, nope. And then seventy-six, eighty-one, eighty-two, eighty-three. Once she passed eighty-four, we were like, "Oh my God, grandmother was going to outlive all of us," which was not a joke. One day, my mother called me and saying that、uh, my father started to cough blood. Then I got on the phone with my father. They said, "I can't talk to you now. A group of Christian ladies have come to pray for me." I said, "What, father? You're a Communist Party member. Religion is an opiate for the masses. Why do you do this?" He said, "I don't care. Whatever works." You know, he was desperate. 
The doctor said Wen's dad was in the final stage of lung cancer, probably from inhaling the thick lead dust at work without those face masks, the ones he sold to raise money for grandma's coffin. So Wen, who was now in college, left class, bought a train ticket, and 27 hours later, saw his dad for the last time. When I saw him in the hospital, even though he was hooked up to numerous tubes, he seemed to be okay. He was very happy to see me. So I thought he would have more time. But uh, two hours later, he lost consciousness. He looked so peaceful, and he died. My mother felt very devastated. She wouldn't step out of the house. I was so angry. I felt that he spent the better part of his life preparing for this stupid funeral. I felt like her stubborn request really sucked my father dry. On the other hand, I pitied my grandmother because I felt like it was very tragic for my father to die so young. So as the oldest grandson, I decided to carry the mantle and uh, fulfill my grandmother and my father's wishes. Almost a year after my father died, I had this weird feeling like something was going to happen. So he called his sister at her work to check in. But she didn't answer. Instead, it was her colleague who said, Oh, your sister is not in the office. Your grandma just died. She was 87. The king of hell was uh, three years late. Mother did not tell me that grandma had died. By now, Wen was living in Chicago, so he started packing for his journey home. Then I talked with my mother on the phone and uh, discussed plans to take care of the funeral arrangement because everybody expected me to do that. And then she said something which I didn't expect. There is no need for you to come back. I can take care of it. I, I just was stunned. I didn't trust her. My grandmother would be furious if she knew that her rivalry and the person who she disliked was sending her off. I wonder if she was going to do the things that my father had planned. But she did. My mother began checking off all the tasks that I should have done. That made me feel a little guilty. But I was also pleasantly surprised. Maybe she had a change of her mind. Wen's mom said she was already gathering the friends, family, pallbearers, drivers, gravediggers. And eventually, grandma was laid to rest in a grave. And the urn containing dad's ashes were buried near the bottom left of the coffin. His location at the feet of his mother meant the son would always be at his mother's service. But then, my mother didn't go all the way. She didn't do all the things that she was supposed to do. Rather than sending my grandmother to her home village, she decided to bury grandmother in the suburb outside Xi'an. She had her own reason. She said, it will be so easy if you want to pay tribute to your father and your grandmother. You can just hop on the bus. It will take 30 minutes to go there. 
deep in my mind, I was saying, "Oh yeah, right, mother." She just tried to find excuse. I think the reason that my mother did not go all the way it was her way of saying, "I honor your wish, but I don't want to go all the way." You know, it's like she she got the last laugh. Soon after, my mom called me in Chicago, where I now live, to brag about her accomplishment. She said, "I can now relax." Then two weeks later, she had a stroke. Mother never recovered. And so, did you end up taking care of your mom's funeral? Yes. Where'd you bury her? She's buried next to my my father. Who actually is next to my grandma at my grandmother's feet? It, it's it's funny that the two tigers could never live in the same house when they were alive, but now, maybe now that in the afterworld they would、uh, become good friends. I hope it's going to be a long time. <laughs> Sorry. Now, a couple of years ago, Wen finally was able to reunite Grandma and Grandpa in spirit and in soil, kind of, because according to an elderly relative, the next best thing to physically relocating Grandma's remains next to her husband's was to gather a cup of dirt from Grandma's grave and bury a small wooden dummy with Grandpa's name engraved on it. So that's what Wen did. And now he hopes his grandparents and parents are finally satisfied. Thank you, Win, for sharing your story with the Snap. Win is a Chicago-based writer and translator. If you want to know more about this family coffin story, check out his book, The Little Red Guard. We、we'll、have links on our website, snapjudgment.org. Original sound design was by Davy Kim. It was produced by Davy Triple Threat Kim. <laughs>